are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. A good amount of stuff to talk about on this Tuesday edition of the show. We're going to start out with a deeper look into Xavion Thomas's decommitment and get really honest about that decommitment. Um, we'll then transition into what I think that Louisville needs to improve on ahead of their clash with Central Florida on Friday night. And then we'll finish out the episode with answering the question, is there a number of wins that Louisville football must reach this season? Because there is, but we'll identify that number coming up before we get into the nitty-gritty of the show. As always, I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I am a credentialed media member for Cardinal Sports Zone, where I serve as a football beat writer, a feature writer, and a recruiting analyst. I also do some PA announcing work for the university in sports like baseball, lacrosse, field hockey, soccer, etc., you can follow my Twitter at Dpence underscore, and you can follow the podcast Twitter page at LO underscore Louisville. If you're looking to enhance your overall ACC knowledge, there's no better place to turn than the Locked on ACC podcast hosted by the one and only Candace Cooper. So be sure to follow that podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you like to get your podcasts. So let's jump right on into it. We're going to talk first about Xavier and Thomas the three-slash-four-star wide receiver from Louisiana that decommitted from the Louisville program later this past week. And for starters, there's no way to spin it. This is definitely a tough loss for the Cards. I was a big believer in Xavion's ability. I think that you know he is a 2-2 type in his ability to turn any play into a big gain. There's definitely house call potential on every reception. Uh, I believe it was a 4.3240 that he ran uh, recently at some camps. Uh, definitely blew up over the summer, though. Saw his recruiting stock rise exponentially through the rankings to the point where I believe now he's a four-star receiver on ESPN. Uh, not necessarily tall in stature, kind of in that 5'9 range that plays for you know, a solid program at John Arett in Louisiana. But with COVID and how that affected football in the state and also, you know, the lack of camps, it, it took a while for his stock to take off. I think it's going to continue to, you know, burst through the stratosphere as the season goes on because he's a truly an electric type of player. Think of like an Amari Huggins-Bruce in the fact that uh, you have that home run ability, but he's just so shifty and um, has the potential to make guys miss. But we need to be very honest about this decommitment, and I've, I've been seeing a lot of misinformation from the Louisville fan base, a lot of pessimism surrounding this decommitment. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel bad or feel upset about this, because I definitely was you know, discouraged by it. It really bummed me out because I think he's going to be a tremendous player. I think that Louisville is going to continue to recruit him, but I, I definitely wouldn't say that the cards have a great chance because it's a classic situation of of a kid committing somewhere early and his stock blowing up he gets better offers and he goes to a bigger program i mean zim mikulski from uh floyd central did it last year uh, committed to louisville after just starting to scratch the surface of his recruiting rankings and um, once he rised up through the rankings to his close to near four star rating he decommitted from louisville and flipped to ohio state shortly after so um, it happens. I'm not going to say that this is something that Louisville fans haven't been accustomed to. You know, Chubba Purdy did it. You know, the list goes on and on. Xavion Thomas is just the next one in a long list of players who fit that description. So 
let's let you know let's be honest about it this was something that had been in the works for some time I was being told around I believe it was Memorial Day that weekend to where you know he was starting to show out at camps you know turning a lot of heads from bigger programs and I was told that weekend I said hey I'm not saying he's going to decommit soon but I would be very surprised if he stays in the Louisville recruiting class and that's always kind of a you know a concern anyway is when you bring in top guys of being able to hold on to them until signing day sometimes it doesn't work out sometimes it does um, I think that it's good that it happened now and not at signing day. But I've been hearing a lot of people say, well, he decommitted because of how bad Louisville looked on national television against Mississippi on Labor Day in a primetime game. No, that's not it. You know, he was likely going to decommit regardless of the outcome of that game. I will say this, though. Although it wasn't a deciding factor in uh, ultimately pushing him over the top, I do think that it sped up his decommitment. I think um, you know that sour taste in your mouth of watching the team you're committed to get embarrassed on national television, I think it sped up the process of his decommitment. But even if the Cards win that game, I'm telling you right now, I would have probably put at about an 85 to 15% split that he would have decommitted from the program eventually with the bigger programs that had been following him and um, starting to recruit him. And you could tell by his social media. I know, you know, it's hard to trust, you know, 17 to 18-year-old kids, social media and stuff like that. Um, but some of the posts that he was making about, you know, watching his dream school get to play on national television on Saturday when Louisville didn't play till Monday, I think that that kind of raised some eyebrows among the Louisville fan base. Um, growing up in the Louisiana area, if LSU were to get involved, it was going to be hard to keep him from them. It was going to be hard for any program to keep it from LSU. You know, it's it's not like the state of Kentucky. You know, guys in Louisiana, in the boot, if they are good enough to go to LSU, there's about a 90% chance that they end up in Baton Rouge in that purple and gold. And that's just kind of the reality of it. And Louisville's not on, you know, that level of, you know, a, a hometown pipeline. So, Ultimately, I do think that it, it's not good whichever way you like to spin it. Um, at, at this point, I've been told right after Xavion decommitted that Mississippi State is probably the presumed leader at this point. Florida State is right behind them. LSU is indeed keeping tabs on him. They've been keeping tabs on him since the summer. Um, he does not have a committable offer yet. However, you know, with his ability to make big-time plays, there's definitely some belief with the LSU sources that I trust and have trusted for quite some time that eventually he could end up getting a committable offer closer to signing day. And uh, a lot of it will depend on how LSU does with some of the um, current commits that they have right now and uh, determining if all of those guys are going to stay within the recruiting class or, you know, the guys that they're going after at this time. So, I do believe that eventually, I think he's going to get the offer from LSU. I think that he's going to rise up into a mid-four-star range and that he's going to end up getting that Tiger offer. And I think that that kind of would soften this blow that he decommits now because if he were to commit to Mississippi State or so, and then you know eventually he flips to you know LSU, that would kind of take away a little bit of the sting than it would if he was a Louisville commit all the way up until signing day, and then he pulls a Chubba Purdy, and on signing day he's an LSU Tiger. So I think that this is not. I'm not going to say it's a blessing in disguise because Louisville lost a very talented player in that recruiting class. But he, he was going to be a player that was always going to be hard to keep. He's going to continue to add big-time offers. And at the end of the day, I could definitely see him in the SEC or at you know a team like Florida State. So it is a tough pill to swallow for the Cardinals because, you know, the, the fan base is, you know, 
desperately wanting a big time recruiting class, but I, you know, losing Thomas doesn't bode well for an already small class in nature. So, all right, so I want to talk about improvements with the Louisville football team that need to be made ahead of their matchup with Central Florida later on this week. But before that, let's talk about some improvements that you can make with your betting life. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. It offers every sport you can think of, from football to NBA to MLB, soccer, MMA, etc. It offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all of the star players of the Power 5 as well as mid-major players you might not have ever heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns to even interceptions thrown. You can pick two to five players and an over-under on their predictions, and you can receive 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. It allows mixed sports entries, so you can literally take the over on LeBron James combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. So be sure to use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's safe and offers fast withdrawals. So do yourselves a favor. Do not hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Another thing made easy is shopping for your automobile. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you ever need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry when you have access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. Rockauto.com saves you time and money. So why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership when Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, the prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could ever need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil to new carpet. RockAuto.com has an easy-to-use website that you can go to today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. So be sure to go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Okay, so let's transition into what the Cardinals need to do in terms of improvement as we look ahead to their Friday evening matchup with the Central Florida Knights. Um, I talked a lot about some of these areas in the Monday edition of the show, and I think it's likely on par with what a lot of you all are feeling right now. Um, first and foremost, Louisville has to get better play on both sides of the trenches. I think the offensive line has been subpar throughout the first two games. The first game, uh, Malik Cunningham had been running for his life with only three guys rushing from that Mississippi defense. I mean, Satterfield, you know, confirmed over and over that you know the Rebels ran a defense where they rushed three and dropped eight, and then Eastern Kentucky they only got one sack. But the Cardinals never could really get it going on the ground, except for you know a couple big runs in the second half from Jalen Mitchell. In that first half, they averaged just around three yards per carry, which is somewhat unacceptable against an FCS opponent. So the offensive line didn't do their jobs multiple times on Saturday evening. I'm not you know blaming them for Malik Cunningham being hesitant with his reads and you know hesitating on throws. I'm not blaming the offensive line for running backs not identifying holes that the offensive line is creating, 
But at the end of the day, this is you know a unit that has been subpar throughout the first two games, and it's going up against a defense that is continuing to try to find its identity like the Rebels' defense coming into the matchup. The Knights don't have a lockdown defense. By all means, the Cards should be able to score points against UCF, and UCF hasn't necessarily lit the world on fire. I know that you know their offense that we'll talk about here in a minute has the you know potential to be nuclear, but their defensive play is not that daunting. And what I'm worried about is not the UCF defense showing out. It's that they don't have to work hard to shut down the Louisville offense, and the Louisville offense does them favors. You know, it starts out with your know, poor offensive line play. Uh, we'll talk about the defensive line here in a minute. I know that we were kind of transitioning into the trenches, but we'll talk about the offense as a whole. Uh, Malik Cunningham has to be a better quarterback. Uh, simply put, I think it's that straightforward. I think that he is starting to make you know better reads you know in week two than he made in week one. They started to open the playbook up just a tad bit more, still not as much as I wanted them to. And that's something that the cards have to do is they have to, you know, take away the predictability from the play calling. They have to stop running on second and long and putting them in third and long situations because that's not a recipe for success and you know constantly straining your offense to convert long third downs. So I think that the play calling has to be better and more versatile, less unpredictable. Malik Cunningham, like I said, has to be a better quarterback. He has to be more confident in his reads, and there's no reason that he should not be. This is year four as a starter. I know, uh, obviously, Evan Connolly saw some time in 2019, Juwan Pass as well, Juwan Pass in 2018. But he's been with the program for over four years you know, in this is year three in Satterfield's system. There is no reason why he shouldn't be more comfortable in making his reads and knowing this offense like the back of his hand. Yeah, you know, I get that the offensive line sometimes doesn't give him a lot of protection, and the wide receivers might not create as much separation as they need to. But at the end of the day, he's got to you know take it upon himself to deliver crisp throws, not over or under throw guys and you know just be a better quarterback because he's a great athlete. He's one of the better athletes in the country when he has to make plays with his legs. He's extremely exceptional of doing that. But for this Louisville offense to be able to take the next step and try to get back to where they were in 2019 form, he has to be able to improve as a signal caller and making his reads quickly and delivering crisp throws, you know, on target. And I think, you know, he's shown us that he can do that. It's just upon himself to, you know, make it happen. Um, looking at the defense now, uh, specifically the defensive line mentioned on the show yesterday, the Cardinals only sacked Parker McKinney one time in that game off of an Ashton Jalot sack in the second half, got six quarterback hurries. That's unacceptable. Um, you know, simply put, you know, it has to be better. If you cannot get after the quarterback, you're going to let UCF be able to make reads. You're going to give them the time to be able to let plays manifest. And it's not going to spell success with the Cardinal defense because I think that the secondary played well against Eastern Kentucky. There's a lot of talent on that defense. But if the defensive line cannot consistently create pressure, and that was one of the concerns heading into the season, is that the defensive line has to blow plays up at the line of scrimmage. They have to create some pressure in the opposing backfield. They have to break plays down and make quarterbacks go to their third, fourth, three, and fifth reads or scramble out of the pocket to make things happen. Because if you don't, you know, the guys that you're playing on the schedule, you're playing a Mississippi offense, a Central Florida offense, Clemson, you know, even Kentucky, you know, these ACC teams, you cannot allow these quarterbacks that you're playing, you cannot give them the time to go through their reads and let the play progress and let them, you know, to make throws. Because if you don't, your defense will get dissected. We've seen it. 
you know, time and time again, 2018, you know, there was some talent on that squad. 2019, it seems like, you know, since Satterfield's been here, you know, there's been talent in the secondary, but you really can't reap the benefits of that talent until you have a defensive line that, you know, puts some pressure on opposing quarterbacks and opposing ball carriers in the backfield. So not being able to get after Parker McKinney for an FCS opponent in, you know, Eastern Kentucky, that's unacceptable for this Power 5 defensive line that we've been hearing good things about all summer. You know, we have to see action. If you're going to have a chance to beat Central Florida on Friday night, you're going to have to get in their backfield and disrupt plays. You know, I'm not saying you have to record six or seven sacks, but you have to make life uncomfortable for that opposing backfield. That is all I'm saying. The other defensive recommendation that I've been seeing that needs to be focused on, and that is not allowing guys to take whatever they get over the middle. Because it seems like, you know, in the first two games, opponents' receivers have been wide open on slants in the middle of the field or on the hash marks, you know, 10 to 15 yards out. And Mississippi really set the tone to how to, you know, dissect the Louisville defense and the fact of making, you know, playing up-tempo, making quick throws over the middle or in the hash marks, you know, not not very long to be short, but, you know, you can dink and dunk, you know, 5, 6, 10, 12 yards at a time because there's been a large pockets of space where no Louisville defenders are there. I know that they play a lot of zone and there's a lot of multiple coverages but it just seems like there has been a lot of wide-open receivers, and Eastern Kentucky took a page out of that Rebel offensive playbook in trying to go up-tempo, catch the Louisville defense in bad situations. Now, obviously, the talent difference definitely played a huge part in Louisville being able to only hold them to three points. But I'll guarantee, you know, Central Florida, Florida State, all the teams on the schedule are going to utilize, you know, a system like that of the Rebels and trying to throw quick passes out and just dink and dunk their way down the field or just throw wide open slants over the middle. You know, some I'm not sure what has to be changed, but the coaching staff has to adjust to that because teams aren't really beating Louisville on deep balls, but it's the routes over the middle in between the hash marks, out in the flat. Very short in nature, but turn up into big-time games because there's just so much space for them to turn and run once they catch it. So so these areas of improvements basically stem from the team not necessarily looking that great the first two games, which begs the question, is there a certain amount or a certain number of wins that Louisville needs to reach this season? Uh, I do think there is. Uh, but before we talk about that, let's talk about Bet Online because it's certain that it's that time of the year again. Football is now at the forefront. Teams are back on the gridiron. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a 100% welcome bonus. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Also, be sure to use the promo code LOCKED ON. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so in the last segment of the show today, we're going to talk about if there is a certain number of wins that Louisville football needs to reach this season. I've been saying, yes, there is. That number is six. The Cardinals have to be bowl eligible this season uh, for it to be even 
considered somewhat successful. Uh, there's a lot of pressure surrounding the program in year three under Scott Satterfield. Year one, they exceeded expectations, which I think you know set the bar really high, winning eight games and a bowl victory in year one. Um, 2020 was a little bit of a tale of two cities, four and seven, lost a couple one-score games. The turnover battle really was a big issue last season. In 2021, one and one to start out with. I don't think that the you know record so far is surprising anyone. It's just the way that these games are going and the areas of improvement that just haven't been there that we've been looking for. So I think that that's really caused some concern as to what the ceiling is for Louisville football this season. But more importantly, what is the expectation? You know, uh, it's going to be different regardless of who you ask. You know, you have some sunshine pumpers. You have some Debbie Downers. They you know, every fan base has those. You have your more optimistic people. On the flip side, you have pessimistic people in nature. So um, it's going to vary. Personally, I think that the expectation needs to be a bowl game for the Cardinals um, because the schedule is not as challenging as it has been in years past. I get that they still have Central Florida. They still have Florida State, Kentucky, Clemson, um, you know, so on and so forth, NC State. Uh, looking at the next 10 games for the Cards, I, I think that Clemson and Kentucky are you know, losses for sure. So you're putting yourself at, uh, what, 1-3. But there also should be some expected wins on this list as well. Duke and Syracuse should be wins. So if you break it down, you're kind of at 3-3 three three with uh, six games left to go. Central Florida, Wake Forest, Boston College. Florida State, Virginia, and NC State. The expectation should be to split the remaining three. Um, you know, maybe they, you know, split the Central Florida and Florida State to where you know they're four and four in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, trying to add and accumulate the wins and losses, or maybe they, you know, lose both of those games. Wake Forest is an easier game. Virginia is an easier game. NC State is challenging on the road, but it's definitely doable in Raleigh. Boston College is not setting the world on fire. So, you know, there should be the expectation of winning six games. And I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm kind of worried that it is going to happen. I'm not really sure what's going to, you know, go down because the team has not been living up to expectations through the first two weeks. But teams can get better. Um, I think it's going to have to be through a lot of soul searching with, you know, the schemes and, you know, play calling, but also, you know, guys playing harder and playing better, you know, simply put, uh, let's call a spade a spade here. But when you look at it, it's not impossible. When you look at the 2015 season, Lamar's freshman year, that team started out 0-3. Now, granted, they had a pretty tough schedule for those first three games, but the team was able to come back and salvage the season and get to a bowl game in that year. So it's definitely not impossible. The ACC is not lighting the world on fire. Florida State just lost at home on a Hail Mary to play to Jacksonville State. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a bunch of other teams, like I mentioned, Duke and Syracuse just simply are not good. Boston College, Wake Forest, Virginia are not setting the world on fire. NC State might be chalked up as a loss right now, but at the end of the day, it is a very winnable game. So is Central Florida. Central Florida, granted, they have a great offense that is nuclear. Gus Malzahn is you know, somewhat of an offensive genius. I mean, Boise State was not a very convincing win. Bethune-Cookman is who I believe they played second week. They didn't necessarily look all that impressive there. So a lot of it's going to be Louisville not shooting themselves in their own foot nor helping out the opposition with a lack of predictability on offense and not getting after the quarterback on defense. 
So if they can you know, make some of these improvements and adjustments that I listed in the final segment, there should be no issue of making six wins. But regardless if they do or not, we are at a point now where we've seen that this team can be successful. You know, the skeleton and backbone of that 2019 team, albeit minus a couple of the big-time stars, there's guys on this team from that program. We There's probably more depth you know, overall on the 2021 squad than there was on that 2019 team. And that was kind of the Achilles heel for that squad. So yeah, you can't sit here and tell me that the expectation, now now notice that I'm not saying what's going to happen. I'm saying what should be expected to happen. Yo, Louisville football fans year in, year out should expect anywhere from six to eight wins in a bowl game. I mean, that's just how, you know, the the state of the program is at. I know, um, you know, things haven't been very encouraging. Two of the past three seasons have been losing seasons. But when you look at it, you know, COVID really threw things out of loop last year. So I want to look at last year as an outlier in the Scott Satterfield tenure here at Louisville. But with performances like the past two, it's getting harder and harder to justify that mindset. But when you think about it, there are a lot of you know talented position groups within this program. It's just a matter of getting their chemistry on the field, which I believe they're doing, but also you know adjusting the play call to be able to get this program to where it needs to be on the field. Personally, it looks like you know maybe I'm I'm looking at this the wrong way, but it looks like Satterfield and company are trying to run a system where they're doing the uh you know the you know the ground and pound game that Satterfield ran at Appalachian State and it worked in 2019 because you ran behind a first round you know pro bowl left tackle and Makai Becton but it is not a recipe for sustained success in the ACC teams are figuring that out you don't have you know Makai Becton to run behind now, so it makes it a lot tougher. I think that if Louisville were to tinker with it, I'm not saying go into a straight air raid offense or anything like that, but if you adjust it and go into multiple packages or even a spread offense to where you allow Malik Cunningham to still utilize his ability to get out and run, you know, the RPOs could be big, but also you unlock that passing game potential. Because let me tell you, these wide receivers that are inexperienced and haven't really gotten a lot of game reps, they're creating plays. They're creating separation. Jordan Watkins, Tyler Harrell, Amari Huggins, Bruce, Josh Johnson, these smaller but quicker guys are creating separation. Marshawn Ford is a matchup nightmare for every team that he will play this year. And Justin Marshall showed that although he's viewed as more of kind of a, an aerial threat at you know 6'3 area, he can take a screen to the house. And we saw that you know on Saturday evening against Eastern Kentucky. So it's just a matter of creating a game plan and an offensive scheme that fits the skill set of this offense. Because I think that one of the best traits of a head coach and a play caller in football or in any sport in general is being able to you know, have your foundation for, you know, the core of your schematics and stuff like that, but also being able to adjust on the fly based upon what your skill set is at the skill positions. And I think that this team has a lot of speed and being able to utilize that speed would put this offense into a great position. But right now it's 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 like we're trying to run the identity of like uh, of a Tennessee Titans with Derrick Henry or the Dallas Cowboys with the best offensive line in the league, or an Alabama type of you know early 2010 play calling where they could run the ball down your throat. Louisville's not going to run the ball down anyone's throat because they don't have you know the line to do it. And um, you know this is an offense that is you know looking to spread teams out 
and be able to attack you through the seams and stuff like that. I'm not saying Satterfield can't do it, but being able to, you know, just adjust, I think that it could change the whole tune to this offense. But that's just from where I sit. I mean, obviously, I'm not a coach or anything like that. Just some observations from me. So we talked about the reality of Xavion Thomas's decommitment. We transitioned into what needs to be done in terms of improvement for Louisville football and what the number of wins needs to be expected for the Cards throughout the season. Uh, tomorrow, we will bring on founder of Cardinal Sports Zone, Jeremy Wallman, and talk a little bit about UCF and the state of the Louisville football program. So definitely be sure to look for that. Speaking of Cardinal Sports Zone, be sure to check out the Cardinal Sports Zone podcast, hosted by Jeremy, myself, and a couple of others. The Locked on Bets podcast needs some love as well. They're doing great work. Hosted by your boy Q and Lee Sterling, handicapping expert. Get all of your daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Also be sure to like, rate, subscribe to the podcast on whatever streaming service you utilize. It always goes appreciated. Be sure to follow my Twitter page at defense underscore the Locked on Louisville podcast Twitter page. is LO underscore Louisville. Um, That's going to wrap up this Tuesday edition of the show. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you Wednesday with a special interview with CSZ founder Jeremy Wallman.